On the Lolly Geigers podcast today, our commitment to tough questions continues. We ask who wore Baywatch better, Dwayne Johnson or Zac Efron? Stay tuned for the answer. Elsewhere in the episode, Justin watches some Iron Fisk while Jeff talks Android and finds out what happens when a MOBA and a Battle Royale make of the love. Both Lolly Geigers then break down the latest Marvel movie, Venom, and end with the Gentleman's Challenge. Welcome to episode 28 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different geek things from comics to games, movies to TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the other one, Justin. How's it going, man? It's going great. Uh, today's awesome. I'm pretty pumped. Um, I had I had a big thing of coffee like about um, 40 minutes ago. And by nice. thing, I mean like milkshake. And, so it's kicking uh, in is what you're saying. It's kicking in. Uh, I think around the breakdown, I'm going to crash, and you're just going to have to solo it for the rest of the way. You're going to have to All do right. my voice during the challenges. That's fine. Hopefully you can handle that. Also, uh, the Gators won today, and it's my school. And, uh, in the, yeah, they won. And then and uh, Miami beat FSU, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not my school, but kind of where I grew up. So uh, I always liked them, too. Uh, but, yeah, they both won. It was awesome. I'm excited. I kind of want to punch something. Um, That's why I don't drink coffee too much. I get a little, little okay. too up. <laughs> A little too up. I already have too much too much energy. So what's going on with you? Uh nothing much. My football team is one and six. Uh so it's been a real fun year of just getting the the crap beat out of us. But you know, I guess that's what happens when the guy who was the best running back in the state of Florida goes to the Miami and wins for you guys. So that's true. That's true. Um he he's he's getting a little bit of playing time, your 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 guy. But yeah, he gets a little uh, bit. He has some special teams. He's team. behind. He's behind some. I mean, he's still he's a true freshman, so like he's not getting a ton in the backfield because we got Travis Homer. I, I shouldn't say we because I don't go there. I should say only we for the Florida Gators. That's my rule. You had to have gone there to say we, so I can say we for the Gators. I once went to an Ohio State game. Is that say, uh, that, that, say we that doesn't it? count? I went to a bunch of Miami games. I still can't use that. Right, I'm still gonna say we though. Yeah. Anywho, so uh, so what have you been doing? I see you have uh, you have watched some television uh, that we were talking about. Last I week. have. Um, we talked a little bit about this not too long ago, but I thought I'd finally start uh, biting the bullet on this. Well, uh, we, we 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 considered watching it. I don't think either of us. We, did you we you watch the first season though, right? I did watch the first season, so I watched the second season, Iron Fist. Um, I'm about four episodes in. They're usually about thirteen episode seasons. Um, the first season was disappointing because the action stunk and Danny Rand seemed like a real dumb dumb. Like, I get he was gone for like X amount of years, but it doesn't mean that you should be the most naive dumb person ever made. Um, but this one's better. Um, a few things I, I liked about it. the tones a lot better, a little bit less uh, super serial, you know. Um, it's a little bit more uh, lighthearted and fun. Um, He's not so dumb anymore. He seems to act like he's not a complete idiot. Um, the They do some flashbacks now, which I like a lot. And the flashbacks are of Kunlun, which is where he's from and where he learned all of his uh, martial Justin, arts. Justin, careful. This is this is a family podcast. We're going we're gonna to have to go ahead and censor so, that out. We should pause for it <laughs> right now. Go back, censor that. We'll be okay. So uh, I like that. They were doing, they barely did it in the first season. Like they kind of did like a few little baby flashbacks. And it upset me because I want to see that. Like, I feel Wait, like what they could have done was by, like by baby flashback. Do you mean flashbacks to when he was a baby, or yes. like short yes. flashbacks? Yes. Both. Okay. Okay. Good. 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 good so, um, it was uh, 
it's unfortunate because when I was watching the uh, the first season, I wanted to see more that kind of give like a, I guess kind of like um an arrow feel to it when you go back to the island and stuff. Right. But um, they didn't do that very much, but they're doing it now, and I like it. Um, I like seeing that weird stuff, that storyline. So it's really interesting, um, showing how he got his powers and how he left Kunlun and why he left Kunlun. So it's interesting. Um, the action's a lot better before it was a lot of really tight shots with, with garbage action. And, uh, he was getting his butt whipped by security guards, even though he's supposed to be the immortal iron fist, which I thought was weird. Um, now there are much bigger action scenes, a lot more fun and a lot more, um, choreographed than they were last year. So it's, that's a little bit better. Um, the big, I guess the big thing about the season is that the, they got rid of the hand and the defenders, which is like the, the big gang in new york and so since the hand is gone all the other like gangs and small groups are trying to fill in that gap so there's kind of like a street war going on and they're trying to figure out uh how to stop it keep peace in the city especially in chinatown and it's interesting i like it a lot and the 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 show is just overall better than it was the first time plus he does have a couple of things where he has that uh funny uh iron fist mask on which looks a little weird but uh, when in context, isn't actually that bad. The the also the new like villain is Typhoid Mary, and it's played by um, Alice Alice Eve. Eve. Yeah, yeah. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Most notably, uh, she's out of your league. She was in that one, and she's also in Star Trek. Um, she yeah, she's in uh, Into Dark Into Darkness, right? Second one, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she was played, she uh, played Carol, Kirk's. Carol. Yeah, she played Carol. Yeah, Kirk's soon to be wife or whatever. Uh, but. She's in it and she plays a very interesting a very interesting character who has like schizophrenia, um, split personality disorder, something like that. And um, she's very sweet and innocent on one side and also very violent and serious on the other side. So it's really interesting. So like you have this whole gang thing going on, you have that happening, you have stuff happening with friends, and then you also have this subplot of of Typhoid Mary, who's a daredevil villain, really. It's interesting to see this uh, this integration of these different types of villains. So it's not terrible. Um, I did not like the first season, but this one's not going too bad. So I'm, I'm gonna definitely going to finish this up. I'll have to finish Luke Cage still. And on top of that, the Daredevil trailer came out too, and that got me super excited because the villain in that is going to be Bullseye. So I'm super, super excited. So I hope they Marvel. got Colin Farrell. Uh, me too. To play Bullseye again because uh, he did a fantastic job. in the, uh, the, I think, criminally underrated... Uh, ben Affleck, so Daredevil movie from whatever the hell year that was. It was so good, yeah. so bad. Very dated movie. A lot of evidence. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't any good. It wasn't any good. All right, that's that's my first thing. How you doing? We got you got anything for me? Yeah, I've been playing uh, a video game that you haven't been playing, and it's multiplayer. And I've been playing it for about two weeks or so now. Um, most with uh, your heterosexual life partner Gabriel mm-hmm. with um with i like to call my first choice but unfortunately he said no so uh i'm stuck with my wife wait a minute uh, oh okay yeah. i know it's weird uh but anyway uh we've been playing battle right battle right royale uh which is uh, kind of difficult for me to say apparently uh it's designed by stunlock studios and it's kind of a spin-off apparently of their 3v3 arena game which is titled i think battle right arena or maybe just battle right so it's kind of like the same sort of theme um, it's a combination of a MOBA, which is like League of Legends, uh, Dota, Dota 2, Hots, like Heroes of the Storm, 
uh, in a battle royale game. So like your PUBG, your Fortnite, that kind of thing. So it combines those two play styles, essentially. Um, there's like a 30 player, very large arena map, essentially. It's not, it's not an arena. It's more like a, a landscape of an island or so. Uh, and it's top down. So it's got kind of the League of Legends, Dota, HOTS type of viewpoint. So it's top down with a uh, partially locked camera. And it has MOBA style combat um, with all sorts of different heroes that have a bunch of abilities. So in MOBA is like League and like Heroes of Storm, like Dota, you have a variety of heroes and they all have their different their different abilities, right? So they can all do different things, different spells, uh, you know, different uh, uh, kind of magical abilities or spell-like abilities that they can actually uh, use throughout the game. Uh, and they kind of level up throughout the process of the game in some way, either leveling their skills or maybe just leveling their, their you know, their character and their, like their stats kind of go up. So it's that kind of idea. Um, like most Battle Royale games, you, you basically drop in you know, uh, into the game, uh, you know, kind of parachuting basically. Only in this case, everyone's riding like a Falcor-like luck dragon. Remember that from Neverending Story? So it's basically the same. Yeah. Right? It's, basically, it's basically Falcor. So everyone rides this Falcor. They fly over top of the island on which this whole royale is going to take place and everyone falls down and they fight. Um, the game itself is really interesting. Uh, I was looking at it because it just came out on early access about a week and a half, two weeks ago or so. And so I've been playing it since uh, maybe three weeks, something like that. So it's got WASD movement. So it has movement that's like a first-person shooter. Um, and it's slightly different than from League, which doesn't do WASD movement. Uh, that actually uses mouse-clicking movement. Uh, but it's WASD movement, and it's got abilities on your left mouse button, which is basically, it's not an auto attack, but it's your basic attack. Uh, then there's right mouse button, there's Q, there's E, there's R, and then there's F for your ultimate. So all on your keyboard. And I'm uh, the reason I mention those is because you can kind of per so at the start of the game you start kind of on that that lobby area where you can purchase two of your abilities. Um, they give you a little little bit a little bit of coin that you can spend on either abilities or items. Most people get like uh, two abilities and then like a health pot um, at the start of the game. And then as the game progresses, as you start, you know, if you're surviving and whatnot, you collect coins and you can buy more abilities from merchants that are scattered around the map, or you can find um, items. Uh, not just items, but abilities themselves from chests or even killing other players. So like, let's say you you buy your right mouse button ability and your E ability, right? And so you start the game without a Q or an R. So as you're wandering around the map, which is very large, you're like breaking open chests and orbs or you're, um, you're fighting people. And what drops from those things are these little bubbles that have like literally Q and R on them and you can loot them and now you have that ability. Um, or you can just purchase them from merchants as well. Um, and the skills themselves actually have levels. And so they level up based upon kind of the common um, coloring for for loot quality that we've all kind of come you know, become accustomed to, like green, blue, purple, yellow, et cetera. Um, and again, these upgrades, not only can you get from loot, but you can also purchase them from, again, those merchants as you're collecting coins as well from blowing up you know, chests and orbs and, and killing other people, um, other players. Uh, so all around the map, all these chests and orbs spawn, and they have not only gold and skills, but they also have items and equipment. Um, items are generally like one-use things, like like potions. Um, then you, there's also like rocks that you can throw and snare a person. There's like stationary turrets, etc. There's there's a couple of things like that as well. There's like a meteor. You drop this massive meteor down from the sky, which is pretty cool. Um, equipment, you have four slots for equipment, and they offer more passive benefits, um, usually boost to stats like health or attack or something like that or speed. Um, but then there's other things as well, like sometimes they're passive abilities. So there's like a sheep item that's kind of like League of Legends Guardians Guardian Angel, which allows you to res if you die and get some of your health back. 
um, if you know, you're still kind of in the fray at that point, but you can at least get a second life. Um, and then those, the, the equipment itself also has different tiers, just like the skills. So they have the same thing, green, blue, purple, yellow. So you can kind of level up, um, your equipment as well. And so it gets slightly better as the game progresses. And as you collect higher leveled versions of those particular skill, uh, those particular uh, pieces of equipment, um, those also can be purchased from merchants or, um, they can be looted throughout the map. Not every merchant has the same stuff. So there's like all sorts of merchants all over the place. And so you can kind of go to different ones and maybe get different things. Um, so just like any other Battle Royale game, the whole point is that the on this map, which is quite large at the beginning, it begins to shrink. Um, and like there's there's like a, an area that's designated by a circle that that's what's going to be available to everybody. And anybody outside of that circle slowly takes damage until they die. So they need to get inside that circle. And the whole point of the game, it's like it's free for all. And so that's the last person who wins, you know, the last person who's left standing, they win. Right. Um, and so to kind of try to encourage fighting, there's all sorts of different things that they use the, the, that Stunlocks put into the game to actually get us fighting or get us like to certain locations. So there's airdrops, which is similar to PUBG as well. Um, and then there's events and they all spawn like additional orbs in chests throughout the map in different locations. And you can see it on your mini map. And so people will rush there and kind of fight over that kind of stuff. And then there's also, this is a really nice touch, I think. Um, there's also these little specialty areas that you can stand in, um, like a healing circle that'll heal you. And so you just stand in there and you have to stand there for a couple seconds to get the heal. And there's like a limited amount of healing it'll do. Um, and then for duo queue, like if you're if you're duoing with a partner, there's a res circle, which I think is great because one of the most frustrating things about PUBG for me was like you're playing with three or four people and then, you know, you die early and like they, they can't you can't get you up. And now you got to sit around for the next 20 or 30 minutes while everyone else goes. And you don't want I don't want people to stop, you know, just because I die. But at the same time, like I got nothing to do for the next 20 minutes. So there's actually the ability to go and res, uh, which is nice. Um, but again, these are really nice places and nice ways to, to force fights, you know, um, there's mounts in the game, which is nice, uh, kind of like wow style mounts. Um, the, the, the graphics themselves are kind of has that, uh, that stylistic cartoony feel, um, the way that like, uh, like a torchlight does. It reminds me very heavily of torchlight, um, even a little bit like wow, but I think a little bit better in crisper. Um, but yeah, you have mounts, let you move around the, the map pretty fast. There's also like these little whirlwind areas where you can like step on them and they throw you really high up into the air and then you can like slam down somewhere else again. It gives you like a really high bird's eye view of the surrounding area. And then maybe you drop on somebody that's trying to hide. Uh, so currently there's 20 available champions that they split pretty simply into two categories in the interface in the game, which is ranged and melee. And so you pick one at the start. And then that's the one you play for the whole Royale. And then once you die, you're eliminated. And then you can go play into another. And the queues are pretty fast right now. There's under two minutes. Um, but if you dig further into their skills, you can actually see that there's there's a little bit more variety than just ranged and, and, and melee, right? There's some that are more support-like because they have heals and they have more heals and shields. Um, some are more tank-like because they have like a lot of CC, and then some are more assassin-like, right? And, and heavy DPS or ranged DPS in some cases. Um, they're going to be releasing more champs. Supposedly, there's, I think they're just taking champs from their arena game and like modifying them and adapting for play in Royale. That's at least what I'm understanding. And I think the next one that's going to be released is pretty soon, sometime this month in October, called Talon, uh, which looks kind of interesting. Um, so my favorite so far, I got, I like Croak, who is this humanoid frog assassin. I'm not very good at him, but he's got a lot of maneuverability and he does some pretty good damage. And he has like this little mini stealth when he pops out and stuns you. It's pretty awesome. I like Thorn, uh, which reminds me a lot of Maokai from uh, from League of Legends. So it's a big mean tree with a lot of CC. 
Um, uh, Iva is pretty cool. She's this old lady, uh, ranged inventor with kind of like a, a southerly hick like accent. And she has a tractor beam, which is awesome. Uh, and then there's Freya, which is a kind of a bruiser Viking woman, um, who swings like these two hammers. It's just so awesome. Um, and it's, you know, it's fantasy focused, but there's, you know, guns and things like that. I think it's, you know, it's more fantasy than it is sci-fi ish, but, um, there's a little bit of blending of both. Uh, so right now there's basically two, um, game types. There's play versus AI. Or there's like, you know, PVP. A AI is really good, I guess, for learning abilities and learning the map, but the AI is not particularly challenging at all, but it is really good to kind of get an idea of where are the prime loot drops, like where, to, where, to, so at the beginning of the game, you can figure out where should I drop. And it's also good for just learning your abilities, um, of different and kind of like, kind of like a test arena for practicing some stuff out. Uh, but most people just play PVP, right? And then there's a solo queue and there's a duo queue, and then you have separate ranking systems for either. Um, there's currently no plans for greater team sizes, I, I read, um, but there's a lot of people who are clamoring for 3v3 because that's apparently what Battle Ride Arena is. So I hope they do it because I think 3v3 would be pretty nice. Um, it's kind of tough sometimes for all of us because there's a good four, five, six of us, you know, sometimes that are, you know, in our Discord channel and like if two people go off and play, that kind of sucks for the rest of them. Um, so right now it's 20 bucks to buy into the early access, which gives you access to all champs. So it's not like we league where you have to buy them or slowly open them up. You get it right off the bat, you get them all. And there is a ranking system. Gabe and I right now, I think we're for our duo, we're in platinum. I can't remember where I am for solo. I don't really play a ton solo. I mostly play duo with him. Um, and then you can so you can level up your champs. It has a has a similar, I think it's kind of similar in terms of, of how loot is handled and leveling is handling to like Overwatch. So you can level up your your efficiency with a champ, right? And, and based on your account, and you can level up your account. And based upon leveling up, you start gaining uh, loot chests. And the loot chests have a bunch of um, uh, cosmetic things, all sorts of different things that you'd expect to find. There's three different currencies in game. There's diamonds, which is the pay stuff. Like you actually can purchase these diamonds. And there's tokens and coins, which you gauge, gain just from playing. Uh, and they all uh, open up, or they all you could, they, there are things that you can use to purchase things like skins and extra mounts and stuff like that. So it's very similar, I think, shop-wise to the way Overwatch handles it. Um, there's daily quests, there's achievements, they give you more of this loot and they give you more of this, uh, they give you like, you know, chests and coins and things like that that you can, uh, you can possibly use. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's Battle Royale. Like I, I've been playing it now for, I want to say two weeks. I play a little bit every day. Well, not every day, but most days. Um, I don't know how many hours I got into it, but I really enjoy it. I, I like MOBA style play a lot more than I like sh uh, FPS style play or shooter style play. Um, so I definitely... I'm drawn to this a little bit more. I like the the idea of battle royale systems, but at the same time, it, it always can it can be frustrating. Um, I think maybe the small team actually is beneficial in that way because if you have a team of four, you know, in PUBG or something like that, if one person dies and you can't get them up, then the other three aren't going to just quit, right? But if you have a duo team, well, the one person who survives, and I've done this a bunch of times for Gabe, um, is and I guess this is how we sort of discovered the res thing is like I've gone and res him because I'm like, there ain't no way I'm fighting without Gabe because he kind of carries me. Uh, so I have to go res him, you know. Uh, and so I go and I that's what I do. My job now is to go find a res spot and res him. So, like, even if you go out in a duo, so I can see sort of the benefits in that way uh, of the two player. Um, it's I mean, the balance itself, it's still working out, you know, it's still being worked out, it's still early access. Uh, I feel some melee champs early in the game are kind of at a disadvantage to range champs. It's pretty easy, I think, for certain range champs to just um, take them out. But as the game progresses and you gain some items and levels, so if you kind of keep to yourself for a little bit and do some leveling up here and there, small skirmishes and, and do some looting, uh, melee champs can get pretty strong later in the game, uh, especially once that circle gets smaller and smaller and there's not as many places to kite them around and everything. 
Uh, but it's a really fun game. I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, I hope I, I look for. I haven't tried every single champ at this point, but I think I've tried at least uh, about 12 or 15 or so. There's still about six or seven more that it, I need to try, but I'm not too interested in. Um, but there's a lot of different play styles. There's some, you know, some that are more supporty, some that are more assassiny, some that are more tanky. So like you can kind of pick whatever you want. But it, it seems like a really cool game, and it seems like a natural marriage actually. If you think about the popularity of MOBA games, the popularity of you know of, of uh, you know battle royale games sort of makes sense and uh yeah it's it's pretty fun it's pretty interesting I, I think you should probably check it out at some point i know you're not as big a moba fan as i am but uh, i know you like royales this might be uh might be something and maybe it's something that you and i can play when gabe's not around because he's my first choice sorry also i'm not super into battle royales anymore they're getting really annoying immediately so uh-huh maybe it's just so, a bad time maybe. anyways but it's pretty good. I, I really like the game. I think the game's really good. Um, and it go, and the queues are fast. So as long as the queues are fast, like I think, you know, it's pretty good. So that's Battle Right Right Battle Right Royale. You can get on Steam uh, for twenty bucks uh, early access right now. Pretty fun so far. Pretty fun. So what else you got? So uh, I was hearing all this news about Titans, right? And I was thinking, you know what? Even though I think it might be garbage, I want to try it out because. It's DC. It's you know, it's up my alley. I'll give it a shot. So last night, it's, it's late after the football game. I sit down and I say, you know, what? I'm gonna get DC Universe. I asked my wife, could you take a look real quick and see what the cost is of it? And she looks on her phone real quick. It's like, oh, it's this free week, and then you get $7.99 a month. So it's kind of like very much like the original uh, Netflix subscription. I go, okay, let's try that. And I was like, it's gotta be out because people have been. Uh, reviewing it and stuff so i get it this morning i wake up get ready to watch it I'm excited about maybe watching a garbage titan show and then it says it's not out till october 12th so turns out i'm just a big dumb idiot so instead i decided no to justin you're not a big dumb idiot you're thank being you. too hard on yourself you're thank you, thank you, thank you. A, you're a good person um you know because you're you're good enough uh and you're smart enough and uh you know, doggone it. Doggone it. People like, like you. Me. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So uh, I decided just because I don't have Titans to watch, I just perused DCU Universe to kind of like see what it has to offer. So first thing it has, it has every single DC movie ever made, uh, including like Supergirl, all the garbage Superman movies that came out, every Batman movie, which is good because some of them are pretty decent. Uh, has every... DC TV show that's ever come out, including the 2001 classic Birds of Prey that lasted a year. So that's pretty exciting. Um, it has uh, Lois and Clark. So I should probably rewatch that. Dean Kane. The New Adventures of Superman. Oh my God. Oh, I remember that show so much. I was in high school. Terry Hatcher, man. Had the biggest crush on Terry Hatcher. I totally did. Um, and Dean Kane, actually, to be honest. He's real Both. handsome. He's very uh, handsome. He's too handsome there for me. You know? I don't know. Hey, almost, you know. Uh, so there's that. It had, uh, like, Young Justice. It has every one of their movies, their uh, animated films, which I think they're really good. And uh, it'll give me a chance to kind of watch the ones I haven't seen. Um, another thing I did not know it had through the app and through, you know, whether it's on your computer, your phone, or your TV, you can read every single we can read not every single, but a lot of archive DC comics, which I think is very interesting. You get to you know, go through old comics and stuff like that. Like they had a spotlight on Teen Titans 
because of the show coming out next week. That doesn't come out this week, comes out next week. So that was kind of cool to see all that stuff. Um, so basically, oh, and on top of that too, they have tons of behind the scenes and original content stuff too, which I thought was interesting. They have lots of uh, their own shows that they're creating, um, like not necessarily like TV shows, like how you think of like um, with uh, like you know Titans and stuff, more like uh, user generated content um like youtube stuff like that um so that's pretty interesting they have a lot of stuff you can get on there and kind of learn about different things behind the scenes stuff or you know kind of like hollywood style things i thought that was interesting um in the upcoming time too you have doom patrol coming out soon you have titans coming out soon and then you also have um what's the other one i saw this coming out Oh, Krypton season two is going to be on there. They said they're going to stream that stream uh, straight on there too. And Krypton's getting Lobo. Did you see the picture of Lobo, by the way? I, I did. I did. I did. It's pretty hardcore metal. So uh, there's a lot of stuff that I think will benefit me, even though I'm not super into this service so far, but we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm ready to give it a shot. Uh, $7.99 a month. Okay, how much can I complain? Uh, you know, just enjoy myself and watch some uh, bad DC stuff. Um, so that's DC Universe. Um, you can get it on any device, Google, I, uh, iTunes, whatever, and then you can get it on whatever, um, like a, a Fire Stick or whatever you need to get for your TV. So uh, check that out. $7.99 a month, plus uh, you get a week free right now. So I'll be able to watch the first episode of Teen Titans or Titans right when my free thing goes out so if it ends up being terrible i can just really quick unsubscribe so i guess sure smart that's really smart so uh yeah that's what this universe stuff that's all i got well i've got some uh some role-playing stuff to talk about and so you know you know what that means right my god that's the best thing. It's the best thing I think we have produced on this entire podcast. I think we should Jeez. just do that. Uh, okay, so a couple quick things. Um, first of all, a quick campaign update on our D&D campaign that we've been running uh, for several months now. Um, and oh, did we have a doozy of, of a session this past week uh, where the the start of the session saw a split party. There's kind of a joke in tabletop, which is like never split the party or don't split the party because bad things happen. Well, at the end of our previous session, one of the characters uh, fell off a bridge, a very high bridge, like because they were kind of being kind of attacked by this like powerful entity or something like that, or it was just the weather, depending on how you interpret it. Um, so they fell off a really high bridge, but managed to like somehow survive because he used a very clever rope trick to sort of sort of help himself at a certain point. But um, he and another character who went down to save him got caught up in these like heavy, crazy river rapids. And the end of our previous session session had the two of them like barely clinging to life, like miles and miles down the river on this tiny little island. Um, while the rest of them was the group, the other three members essentially thought they were dead. Um, and so it was like late at night. And so we ended that session there. So the start of this new session already had us completely set up. So we were split up. Um, all, all five of the players. So there's a group of three that were at this military fort that they were heading to. And then there was a two that were somewhere at this like river island, miles and miles and miles uh, down the river. And it's a very dangerous, dangerous river, like heavy rapids and whatnot. Um, so 
they tried to go searching for uh, like the three that made it to the to the military fort tried to go searching for them like down by the beaches and by like the shores the river and two of them decided to go and actually into the water so my wife plays a druid and so she turned into a shark and then like our friend josh plays a plays a a, a dwergar and so he like hopped on the shark and they were like he was like swimming around on top of her um looking for any signs of these two that kind of washed away thinking that perhaps they're dead which left the warlock who is played by our friend coder um on the beach all by himself now little did the uh did the actual uh, group know and keith if if you're listening to this uh you need to stop listening right now uh but little did the group know uh, that they had been getting sort of tracked and hunted uh, by a revenant. Uh, and a revenant is basically an undead creature who died in some particular fashion uh, and has kind of come back and now is, is sworn vengeance. And they, and so many, many, many moons ago, uh, my, uh, my players did something pretty questionable, pretty bad, and uh, resulted in the death of somebody that probably didn't really deserve it. And uh, they have come back and they're hunting them down. And this was, and they've been doing it for a while. I've been tracking it on like this little Excel spreadsheet I had, like to see how many times, like the close encounters, like of them, him, you know, the, the Revenant almost catching up. And so the Revenant was able to catch up and a lot of things went wrong um, in terms of like them, you know, one person falling out of the bridge and then like they, it took them a while to actually find like the path that went down to the bridge. And then they, they left the guy out by himself and it was late at night. So they hadn't rested. And I had like all the NPCs in the military forward tell them, yeah, you don't want to go down that route. That That's, you know, really dangerous out there. It's too dark. Um, oh, no, it's about sometime. You don't want to do that. You never know what's out in the dark. Um, so they, uh, but he, they did, they did it anyway. Cause they were, you know, they were like, I want to go find their friends. And so this revenant just came up and two shot him just because like they were so worn. He's just, I, and I just like smashed his face in, his face in and stuff like that. It was so fun. And I got to bring Coder into the other room uh, away from everybody else. And I told him like what, you know, the creature said to him. And so like the, the look of like revelation of like, oh my God, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I know who this is, that type of thing. And I wanted to do it because nobody else was technically there and I wanted to be a surprise for them. So that's why Keith doesn't know this yet. Uh, and so eventually, like Josh and and, and my wife, Melissa, they, their characters came back to the beach and they found the dead body. And then they start trying to track the Revenant down, like where did it go and stuff like that. And they found him and then they fought him. And then I got like a really lucky crit uh, that killed her and it basically did so much damage that it just did. Oh, my God. You killed your wife. Yeah, it's OK. It's not that it, it, it won't be the last time I've, I've done. All right, good. Yeah. Uh, so she died too. And so now we have like two dead characters and like right now, Josh's character is basically thinking I'm alone. Like two of the people just fell off the river and they're missing for hours and we think they're dead. And then two people just got killed and their heads smashed in. And so it was intense. And so and that was only like a quarter of what went down. Like meanwhile, because I was doing like these little almost like a TV show where I'd like ramp up the tension in one in one side of it for a bit. So I'd like talk a little bit about, you know, Josh and Melissa and, and Coder. And then like once that got ramped up, I would like cut to like uh, Keith and Long Lee, like the other two characters who were trapped on the river somewhere. And I would do little bits and pieces with that. And then I'd ramp up their story and then switch back and forth. Um, so kind of like, you know, TV storytelling and like they had all sorts of weird things because they, they happened to land on this really strange island and they had this really strange like encounter with this magical obelisk and they have no idea what it's for. And of course they don't because it wasn't part of any quest. It was just sort of random that they happened to land on it because I didn't expect them to fall off the bridge and wind up there. But I knew it was there because I seeded it. And like now they get to kind of play with that for a bit. And they also witnessed like this weird kind of dark skeletal like Grim Reaper like creature that was like wandering across the river as well. And so that's fun because I got that. I got that from one of my new uh monster books uh creature codex by cobalt press it's awesome so far 
And uh, they ran into like a, a group of halflings that they had encountered before. And so who were like wanted dissidents with the, with the government and stuff like that. So it was just absolutely bonkers. So many things were happening and we ended the session. The party is still split up, still split up. So Josh's character threw like the dead bodies in the back of a wagon, uh, hired two mercenaries. So like my wife and uh, and Coder both rolled really quick characters to like have something else to play. And so they have like a little backup character that's, you know, behaving like mercenaries following Josh and they're heading as fast as they can to like, you know, this really big city, hoping that they can get like them rezzed, but they don't have anywhere near the money to do that, but they're hoping maybe they can figure something out. Um, they were able to get like the bodies got, you know, gentle repose cast on them so that they, uh, they don't rot. They get like an extra couple days, basically like 10 days essentially to cast raise a dead or actually a little bit longer than 10 days. I can't remember exactly, but, um, but they have a little bit of time, but we'll see, we'll see what happens, but it was absolutely crazy. It was, I was so excited. I thought I thought the session went amazing. It sucked that two people had to die. Coder had to sit there for a really long time because he died pretty early, but eventually got to come in uh, towards the end. But it was just an absolutely crazy session. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun. So yeah, so that's one bit of RPG uh, stuff that I want to mention. Uh, the second thing is just a quick little news update that I saw drop this week. Um, so I want to talk about a a book, a new RPG source book that's been announced for the Genesis role-playing system, which is put out by Fantasy Flight Games. Um, and Genesis role-playing system is based off of uh, Fantasy Flight's, um, their, their Star Wars RPG, um, but it's Genesis is, is like the the uh, themeless rule set. And it gives you uh, the book itself, that actual core book for Genesis actually gives you instructions on how to apply this particular system with their proprietary dice and, you know, specialty dice to any setting you want. Well, what just, what just announced this week um, was a source book for the Android setting called shadow of the beanstalk. Um, so if you don't know the Android setting, Android is a cyberpunk sci-fi setting that's probably most popular um, with the Android Netrunner CCG. Um, I know you play Magic, and but and Magic's probably the most popular you know worldwide CCG. But Android Netrunner is is also quite popular, um, and that CCG itself um, is about this idea of cyberpunk. So like it's a two-player competitive card game. One person's like a hacker slash runner, um, and one person plays like a corporation, and like they you know they basically play cards against one another. I'm not going to get into that too heavy. Um, but there also was a board game several years ago called Just Android that was also set in the same universe. And this is more of my jam because it's like a crime noir mystery story game. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, but getting back to Shadow of the Beanstalk, I'm, I'm pretty interested in this because it's a cyberpunk setting and I really want to play a cyberpunk RPG. I love cyberpunk. I'm getting super hyped with um, cyberpunk coming coming down from CD Projekt Red uh, sometime next year, the people who made Witcher. Um, so it's, it's in my mind. It's, so cyberpunk is one of my favorite, if not my favorite sci-fi ish drama. It's, it's, I, or, you know, subgenre, I should say, uh, I really love it. Um, there are other systems I've looked at and some I've played in before. There's like cyberpunk itself, there's shadow run, which is tons of dice. There's the sprawl that I've heard about, but I haven't actually played. And honestly, when, if, and when we go back to Starfinder, I, I kind of was thinking of trying to adapt the system and make it more of a, a a cyberpunk, like a big city cyberpunk set it in one particular location as opposed to doing like this big old space opera. But anyway, Fantasy Flight Games, uh, they're, they've released this core book for Genesis System already, and that's that's been out for a while, and they've already had the Star Wars RPG. So this is a system that has been around for a little bit. And so this Android book is really just offering specific rules for the Android cyberpunk setting. And that means like specialty character creation rules, weapons, equipment, um, what they call adversaries, rules for running the net, which is like their version of the internet, basically. 
um, a guide to New Angeles, which is the central city or the, like the biggest metropolis in that particular world, and all sorts of GM advice and whatnot. Um, so, like, there's, there's, I, I, like, again, this is not out. This book isn't out until later this year, um, like end of the year. I think it comes out. Like, you can pre-order it right now at fantasyflightgames.com. Um, but it looks pretty interesting. The source book it says, um, let's, it, it, like, I'm just kind of quoting a little bit from the, the their webpage. It lets players are basically playing quote nearly normal characters living out their lives in New Angeles, somewhere between the ultra wealthy and their kilometer high acrologies and the homeless, penniless disenfranchistos who live in the city's seedy underbellies. That's a quote. Um, there's different, there's specific character archetypes that are unique to androids as opposed to other uh, settings within the Genesis system. There's clones and naturals, there's bioroids, there's soldiers, and that's all they're naming right now. And there's more hopefully to come. They all have access to, you know, different skills and talents, the type of thing you would expect to find in a role-playing game. Everyone's got different abilities. Everyone's got different talents. Um, so other things is, like one of the things that they're adding that's kind of new to the Shadow of the Beanstalk source book is that they have what's called a favor economy, um, which allows you to boost your starting credits or XP during character creation at the expense of owing a favor to one of New Angeles's factions that engage in silent wars. Uh, and they list a couple, for example, like the biomedical cloners of Genteki, the AI juggernaut Haas Bioroid, or even just the cops. So like there's this system, they don't go into too much detail yet, but basically you can you can get more credits or you can get more XP at the start of the game, but that means you're somehow indebted to one of these factions, which later on in the game could come back to bite you, uh, which allows for some pretty interesting narrative threats. And so I like that kind of stuff. Um, there's all sorts of other details that apparently the book's going to have, including like uh, stuff about the setting, stuff about Heinlein, which is uh, the the like on the moon. There's even some stuff that has to do about Mars colonies, which is going to be really interesting. I'm not sure if it's in this book or in one of the other Android settings, but I really like that because cyberpunk slash sci-fi slash Mars, but like still on Earth reminds me of Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And that makes me oh so freaking happy if we can play like a Total Recall campaign. That'd be amazing. Welcome to the bottom of the... It'd be amazing. Welcome to the party, Richter. That actually wasn't that bad. That was pretty good for me. You're usually the Arnold guy. That's pretty good. That was a bad. For me, that's pretty good. Uh, so let's see. There's a bunch of adversaries in the book for the GM section, as well as NPCs and an adventure builder system and advice for how to run the game and like the setting. Um, so yeah, so that's the big news that I was looking at this week in terms of RPG stuff. Uh, pretty excited about it. Looks pretty cool. I have way too many RPG systems and in, in settings that I am super interested to play in right now and not enough time to play them. Uh, or, I mean, I guess I don't. I guess I could have enough time if I just quit my job and um, robbed a bank or something. I was being a wuss about it. Just do it. Okay. Let's rob a bank. Let's do it. Let's rob a bank. I think we should do it. So anyway, that is, uh, what's it called? Shadow of the Beanstalk. It's, it's by Fantasy Flight Games. It's coming out later this year, and you can pre-order it now. Uh, up on their home site, but I imagine it's going to be also elsewhere. You get it from your local game store and other places. It's 50 bucks from Fantasy Flight Games, whether or not it'll be on like Amazon or something like that, a little cheaper. I don't know. Uh, but definitely take a look at it. It looks pretty fun, especially if you like cyberpunk or sci-fi or if you're uh, an Android Netrunner fan or something like that. So that's it for that. All right, All right man. And uh, I think now that I filibustered towards the end, I think we're, 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 we're going to go um, talk about Poison, right? The uh, yeah. 1980s hair band, right? Correct. I was thinking more of uh, the song by Belle Bib DeVoe. <laughs> that girl is poison. Isn't that what it is? That girl is poison. Okay, never mind. We're going to edit this up. We're going to edit this up. That was terrible. All right. It's the movie.
breakdown. <laughs> Directed by Ruben Fleischer, Venom is a 2018 superhero-ish movie that uh, stars Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock, who's an investigative reporter in San Francisco who uh, basically likes to ruffle feathers of those in power. So people in the government, people who are rich corporations, that kind of thing. Uh, so at the start of the movie, he is engaged with two Michelle Williams's Annie, who's a lawyer whose firm represents a scientific research company called Life um, that's run by Riz Ahmed's uh, Carlton Drake. Life has been sending rockets into space to scout other planets uh, and all sorts of things like that because Drake is concerned with how humanity is ruining the planet. And so he's like kind of scouting places we can colonize or something like that. And so on one of the ship's returns to Earth, and this happens right at the beginning of the movie, uh, one of those ships crashes and they are carrying alien symbiotes, including Venom. Uh, and the ship crashes, kills the crew, and it lets one of the symbiotes kind of gets away. And that's kind of B storyline as we as we track this throughout the movie, this one loose symbiote uh, moving across the world. But then the rest of them get get recovered by the company and brought back to their San Francisco based laboratory. Now, Eddie, uh, at the beginning of the movie, is assigned to do this uh, this interview uh, with Carlton Drake. And of course, because he likes to ruffle feathers, he ruffles the wrong feathers and that causes him to pretty much lose everything in his life, like his job, his wife, etc., or his, his girlfriend at the time. And he, we, we flash forward six months later and we see where he is and he's not in pretty good shape. Now, as you would expect, certain things happen that force him or not just force him, but see him and Venom merging into one single entity. Uh, and as the second half of the movie sort of moves towards its eventual conclusion. We see him struggling with Venom. We see him agreeing with Venom and we see him fighting against uh, Carlton Drake, who ends up kind of being partial villain uh, to the movie itself. So uh, I won't try, I won't say anything else because I don't really want to ruin too much. Uh, and we'll try during our review not to spoil anything too great. Uh, but as always, if you don't want anything spoiled, if you want to go into Venom completely fresh, it's best to skip now ahead to the gentleman's challenge uh with that behind us justin what do you think about venom um i didn't like it very much at all that's a great start i like it um um okay yeah why not why not why not? uh the plot stinks um the overall plot is so explain overused. to me what you mean by that explain it's so overused and so played out like these we're we're wasting our environment we have to try and find other things and the human race is a parasite on the world um on top yeah, of that it's totally not true because global warming is not humanity's fault I mean, yeah just, but like you know, i mean it's just yeah, right right yeah well that's just cycles of the of the of the earth you know i don't, just, I don't understand global warming do some research like right latin just, warming because like the earth's not a globe that's just ridiculous yeah so um that whole shtick is real old and uninventive now. Um, the the overall like I don't know, like the I'm so he's, bad. He sounds so pained. It's hilarious. It's, he's just, he's he's like a a villain. He's a dick just to be a dick, and that's it. Like that's all it is. Like he's kind of rationalizing it with what he's doing, but like he's like murdering people for no reason and it's just kind of ridiculous um so the plot to me was a little bit ugh, come on this it starts off really slow then finishes very fast that's another thing i had to, i thought the pacing in this movie was terrible um 
and I think a lot of it has to do with I think there's a lot of editing problems. I know there's a thing out last week that Eddie Brock or uh, the Eddie Brock, Tom Tom Hardy. Uh, Tom yeah, Hardy Tom was Hardy. saying that they dropped 40 minutes of the movie on the editing floor that he really liked. Um, so I think that there's a lot of editing issues with this movie. The pacing was terrible. Um, it took forever for us to see some Venom action and then to actually see him in full suit. And then when he was in full suit, it was like for five minutes. And then at the end of the movie, it was for like 15 to 20 minutes. It was barely, it, it was barely used. Like there was a lot of cool like effects of him using the abilities, but like him as Venom was very limited and so fast. Right, right. The special effects were good at times. Like when he's talking to him, like when he's like, when it was like around his body and he's face to face with him, I thought that looked very good. But like, there's some times where he was as Venom, it looks very, very bad. When I thought that, the big Venom, like when it was full Venom, looked didn't look good. I, I think yeah, good. and when yeah. they did that like a heat signature thing, it looked like a video game. It looked like a cartoon video game. It was really bad. I I agree. Um, it definitely looked like a video game. That looked really, really bad. Um, main problem with the storyline, Eddie's not likable at all. There's no likable parts about this guy. There's nothing in him that I want to root for and want him to be the winner, you know? Um, I see no benefits of him uh, being successful. Uh, he's just kind of meh. His acting performance in this movie, Tom Hardy, the way I described it to my wife was he's looking into a, a light while sucking a lemon the entire time. She's like, oh, this lemon's just so tart. I just don't know how I know. <laughs> it's just real bad. Um, oh, I don't know man. if that I don't know if that was his thing or whatever. It's just it's not normal Tom Hardy, I guess, for me. It's just it's well oh god, this is this hey guys having this lemonade, it's real, it's real tart, man. It's real tart. I try I like my favorite role of his is he plays Alfie in Peaky Blinders, uh and uh, which is like this uh, Jewish gangster in uh in London or in, in Britain. Uh which is just fantastic. I, I would uh take slight issue with the idea that there's nothing to root for. I do think it's under it's underdeveloped, but um he is he does demonstrate he's got kind of a moral center because he is trying to do the right thing. I mean, like there's a montage of what he does with sure. his, the Eddie Brock show, but it's so horribly and quickly done that we don't really see yeah. it. And we also see him kind of labor over trying to help out the the convenience store owner and the one um, and Melora Waters is a, a homeless character. I can't remember her name. Um, her as well. So like, I do think there's a general notion that he seems to have a moral center, if not necessarily like one. But that exploring follows. that was probably a total of seven minutes. In the oh no, I totally, like I said, underdeveloped, like maybe that's part of the 40 minutes that Hardy uh, was cut, you know, that like maybe he feels sure. like it's like, like it definitely could be, but, um, but I, I think it's there. It's just, you really got to reach to see it, you know? Um, it's not in line with the comic at all. Um, I'm trying to try not to be that guy, but it's real bad. Um, and right. for me, I have some if, questions if, about the comic, by the way. Yeah. Well, for me, if if you're gonna do that, let's change it 100. percent Okay. Um. Here, here's what I would have done. Okay. To make Eddie more likable, make him a guy that just has terrible luck. He's a good guy. He's got a good life, or he, he's he's got a good moral center. He tries his best, but the world just keeps on dumping on him. He has no, no, no spine. He's kind of timid. And then he gets in contact with this symbiote, which pushes, which makes him become a little bit more 
uh, assertive and like you know because it's, it's the complete exact opposite right the symbiote like to me it'd be better as like a uh odd couple scenario you know what i mean where like this symbiote is a terrible thing confident kind of gives him confidence right makes him a better overall man but like the big crux in the movie where he's where they say where the symbiote takes the turn and says i want to help to me makes no sense it was not even remotely earned i totally agree yeah so like to me it's like well i like you and it's just like why why (laughs) nothing's happened since you've met this man I know you've known him for like 20 minutes. Like you've known him for 20 minutes. And it's just like, if you make a guy who, you know, he gets bullied by his neighbor and then uh, he gets bullied and, you know, he tries sticking up for the, the store clerk and that doesn't go well. Have a guy that just keeps on trying his best, but just can't get his luck. Right. You know, and, and doesn't necessarily like ambush uh, the Drake guy, maybe tries to do a good job, but, gets fired for reasons he couldn't control, you know. To me, there you have yourself a story of a guy who's just down in his luck and then he comes across this thing mm-hmm. which, you know, he learns to become a better person overall. That's where I think it was. But in this, what they did was just kind of make a kind of a dick, more assertive dick, I guess. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree because I actually liked I, – I wouldn't want it to be luck. Um, I like the fact that – that Brock has agency and he is self-destructed and he's making poor decisions. Um, I prefer when, when it's not kind of a deus, deus ex machina thing, even though that's basically what, you know, Venom kind of is, that's just sort of causing their life to be bad. I like it when people make bad choices. Like, I think that's, that's always to me a more interesting character arc because they go from being a person who makes bad choices to, you know, like hitting rock bottom or something like that. And then learning to make better choices. But then how do you, how do you have a creature that is nothing but, almost seeming seemingly pure evil right. right how do you make that change you to a better person oh no for sure i get it but i also don't think it's the i don't really think that that's what it i don't think it's the creature that did it like to me again i'm reaching by the way like i don't think this is like really well developed but like if i am looking at this i think what really causes him first of all is the fact that he gets dumped by his you know, by his fiance, he loses his job. This all happens super early. So I don't, I don't really feel like we're heavy spoiling and that's kind of obvious. Um, but like he also, he, he, he faces death. Like he nearly dies and that sort of changes you. So to me, like, I think it's those types of things where he gets a dose of, dose of reality and sees what life is really like and how life is bad. And so then he starts to better appreciate the things around him. I don't think that's like venom teaching him lessons. I think that's just, you know, that's it's just, that's just circumstance or happenstance that that is, that it happens while venom is, you know, sh- you know, sharing his, his body. But sure. I, I mean, like, I totally agree that he's not a particularly likable person. And I, but I think it's less because of they chose to make him make self-destructive poor choices. I think it's more that they just didn't really do a good job of us under of letting us understand why he does that. Like we have no real understanding. Like there's like a loose reference to why they left New York and stuff like that, but I don't really get it. Maybe the people, maybe you and other people who did the copy got humiliated at, well, instead of saying the daily bugle, they said the daily globe. Right. And didn't he, and he was in jail too. Like I know that he's in jail because I got the reference in the post credit scene. It's because he, he worked for the Daily Bugle, and Spider-Man humiliated him, and then he he leaves, and then he becomes Venom over in San Francisco. Right. Much. So like, and so is, that's what it is. 
the thing is for me is like he he makes bad decisions because he's in a bad place you know like like what's driving him to ruffle people's feathers and what's driving him to to be this investigative reporter like where is that and we don't see that but i think if we had seen it like i feel like i would understand why he makes some poor choices why he does kind of you know, make a decision that kind of screws over his, his fiance and stuff like that. But we, we don't really see it, you know? And so that's a problem with me. Um, Other things that real quick uh, before you get, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you later on though. Like two other things that bothered me was the action sequences were too long and repetitive. Um, Especially that chase, that chase sequence. Yeah. Oh no, he's going to fall off. Never mind. Nope, like, he's not because he just, uses his thing with just yeah. the thing in the thing. Yeah. And same for like the fights where like we get it, he stabs people. Like we And there's a certain point in some of the fights where I'm just like, look, they can't do anything to you. Why don't you just like go away? Like you can hop really far, you can run really fast, and you can yeah. completely outrun him. Like, why are you staying around to potentially get fought by them? Yeah. So and then on top no, of I that, I thought totally. the villain was a terrible villain. Like the riot was awful. First off, he's right. maybe he's maybe two shades different from Venom. <laughs> well, he's got those cool him... arms. Yeah, he's got I stuff guess. you haven't seen, man. Yeah, he's got stuff you haven't seen, seen it. Like yeah. blades or axes? No one's seen those. Before. He's never seen blades or axes before, to be honest. So like he's he two shades lighter than Venom, right? So instead of black, he's charcoal gray. Whoa. And, whoa. Why does it have to be about race with you all the time? Sorry. Every time. You always got to bring this you stuff. You could have made him any other color, and it would have been a good juxtaposition to the Venom color, right? Um, and so that that's terrible. And then on top of that, like, the action sequences with the villain, I couldn't tell what was going on. There's just so much happening, and it's all at night. It's too CGI. Everything's CGI, and it just, like, yeah, well, I, it's everything CGI. And they're dark-colored characters. You can't see anything. <laughs> I know, like I don't understand what they're doing because they're just like, I don't know, man. They could have honestly, they could have been having sex for all I know. Like I don't know. Sure, that, could have, maybe. That, that could just be what the symbiotes do on their. There's villains. one moment that's, that's make pretty neat, where like they're spread all apart. That was neat, but everything but that was like, what is happening? Is it's at night, and one is black and one is charcoal gray. I can't see anything at all so the riot had like a little bit of a greenish tone to him but yeah yeah i do I think he had like I little red bits in him and that's about it anyways i started right. for interrupting you, you no it's no worries uh so other things like for me um so i definitely so i already talked about how i, I feel like hardy's character Betty brock i mean needs some more development etc but i also feel like i don't get venom and why some of the changes were actually you know why like you said like why he makes the changes he does i also don't understand like what riot did like he, he's just like at the very beginning it's just like okay i'm gonna leave here and even though i want to get to these people i'm gonna leave here and then i'm just gonna go on my own little wild tour of southeast asia you know it's just i don't know it felt kind of weird that secondary storyline was incredibly underdeveloped it was just like every now every like 20 minutes we check in and we do this or do that um i totally agree with the pacing of the movie i feel there was a very long time in this movie where Venom and Eddie Brock were not together. Um, and that, and that was really slow, you know, and I'm always suspicious of movies that begin and then they, or any story really that begin and then they immediately flash forward. 
And that's exactly what happened here. It's just like, hello, here's the present. Just kidding. Six months later. Like, I just feel like, okay, well then just start six months later, you know, just start there. And like, you can save us the the five to 10 minutes that that was, and we can use some of that other time to actually develop the character maybe. Um, So that sort of, you know, bugged me a little bit. Um, Like one, at one point, like Venom says something about like what he's like in his home planet and how he's just sort of a loser. It's like, is that legit? It's like, is he? Like that was the stupidest thing I ever heard. Like Very I mean, people chuckled and I guess it was sort of funny, but I don't know. Like there are times I'm like, is this trying to be like, you know, another Deadpool and trying to be like sort of the funny edgy thing. And it just really wasn't So it sort of frustrated me a bit. Um, so that sort of bugged me. I, the tone felt kind of inconsistent here and there. Um, and honestly, like the, for me, like you had problems with Rye. I had problems with Carlton Drake. Like, I, like, Okay, if he wants to hire like these nefarious goons who are just totally gonna like sign off on, you know, on murdering people, that's one thing. But like the amount of like actual scientific minds that were just cool to just watch people just flat out yeah. die in front of them, I was just like, oh, okay. So like we're not, oh, well, we're not even gonna try to make this like at all believable, you know? Um, I know there's a person, there's like aliens from a different place and whatnot. So like I had a little trouble with that too. So, but I'll say this. The movie was better than I thought it was going to be. Like all said and done, I no, went in I with came like with the lowest. Of yeah, it. I went in with like rock bottom expectations because I didn't think it was going to be great, and it wasn't great. But I also feel like it wasn't horrible. Like I was checking that Rotten Tomatoes had it at like sub thirty percent, and I don't agree with that. Like I definitely don't agree with it being like that. I definitely think it was like in a fifty to to sixty range. Like. I don't think it's a great movie. I don't think it's it's a movie that really stands apart from all of the other superhero movies that we've seen before. Um, but at the same time, I, I certainly think that there are some redeeming qualities to it. Um, I wish that I wish we could have just started the movie later and then expanded on some of those moments as well. Um, because everything was condensed so fast, you know, which is absolutely condensed at the end. And that's a shame because I feel like those moments when he's actually dealing with Venom and learning through Venom are kind of interesting, especially when Venom starts talking to him and he sounds like he's got, you know, you know, dissident identities. And didn't, didn't it feel like at the end of the movie when he's having that conversation at the end, uh, that should have been done somewhere in the middle of the movie? Yeah, I do. Like, I don't, I don't like the starting point in the movie, and I, I feel like they should have moved the starting point like twenty to thirty minutes further into the movie, and then they should have expanded on other scenes, um, and they should have gotten to Venom sooner. It's freaking called Venom, you know. That's the title. Yeah, it's, it's not, not called, called the Eddie Brock Show. Yeah. So I don't think Tom Hardy was as bad as you. I I like Tom Hardy generally, so I'm probably going to be more forgiving he's, towards him. Bumman's just so taut, you know. I just I just I'm sorry. I can't see the lights. Well, he's trying eyes. to do the New York accent, right? Like that's what he's doing, even though it's setting in San Francisco and stuff like that. I just sometimes I feel like the like why do the accents? They just just talk, you know. Like he can do an American, you know, American accent just fine. Like why just do an American accent? Just don't, don't I can do go American into accent. a whole dissertation as to why this is wrong to the comic book, uh, but we. I would rather you didn't. Uh, but there is a little thing. This is straight from the cartoon series, uh, not from the comic book, because the cartoon series is it lands from a shuttle piloted by J. Jonah Jameson's son, and they said it was at, it was uh, Commander Jameson that would had had the symbiote had ride on him first. You know the yeah astronaut. yeah so like, yeah. I, 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 I thought that I heard the name and I'm like that can't be coincidence. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's what it is. It's Jameson's J. Jonah Jameson's son. It's, it's like. There's a lot of big problems, but I'm okay with deviating from that. But if you're going to deviate from it, give me something good. And I felt this was just 
chopped to pieces. I thought it was not well done. Um, and you can tell it was a rated R movie that they chopped to PG-13 to make sure that more people would watch it. Because I think what they thought they had was a Deadpool. Then when they found out it wasn't a Deadpool, they're like, well, we need to make more money because this isn't going to make money in being rated R. And that's what it all comes down to. So, right. I mean... It is doing well in terms of I think I think it's set it's set some decent box office, uh, but it's going to drop off next week. Real, I think second week is like as word of mouth gets out. I mean, I guess final thought here. Um, I think it was it was better than I thought it was going to be. But if you're a person who really likes Venom, I don't know how you're going to like it. As somebody who's not particularly familiar with it, I'm not. So a he doesn't player. eat that many heads. He doesn't do that. It doesn't do that really at all. So that's okay. But th- th- I was fine with that. Like only eat the heads of bad people. Um, but. I mean, I don't know if I would recommend going to see it in theaters because I don't, I don't think the effects were were so good that you want to see them on the big screen. Like, I just don't feel like this was like yeah. this, this big, amazing experience that has to be seen on the big screen to really get an amazing, kind of immersive experience. Like, I think this is perfectly fine on the small screen, and I think it's perfectly fine to wait to see it. I think it's worthwhile to watch it and. I'm curious if they're going to make sequels from it because I know they dropped some stuff. I mean, stay save the credits because there's two post-credit scenes. One that's at the way end of it. Um, it doesn't really have anything to do with Venom, but like it's for other Marvel properties. Um, but they're setting up the sequel. Somebody needs to get that certain person. I'm not going to say who a better wig, but uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. So anyway, uh, I would say wait, out. wait and watch when it's you know on stream somewhere. All right, so is that it? I think you're. I think we're good. I think let's uh, let's good. go. Let's go challenge each other to be uh, better men. All right. All right. And now it's time for the gentleman's challenge. So the gentleman's challenge is a segment we do here on the Lollygaggers podcast, where Justin and I like to give each other a weekly homework assignment. That assignment is usually to watch a movie or a TV show or play a game, uh, often something that is not really uh, within our our realm of interest. Sometimes we do this to just expose the other person to something cool, and sometimes we do it to just drive the other person crazy. And then to ensure that we did our homework, we come back on the next episode and we quiz each other about it. So... We should also warn you that the Gentleman's Challenge is a heavy spoiler zone, so we we, we don't uh, give any extra special warnings about that, and we're, we are going to talk about endings, beginnings, middles, twists, turns, mysteries, etc. Uh, so if you hear something that we're talking about that you don't want to be spoiled about, better skip to something else. Uh, so Justin, uh, who, who, who's starting this week? You? Me? I think I got it. Yeah, last you week. Did okay. I? Okay, so you're up. Go. All right, so my challenge was Horror Express. Yeah, boy! From 1972. That is correct. It is from 1972. It stars yeah. Christopher Lee, Count Dooku, Count Peter Dooku, Cushing, yeah, uh, who mm-hmm. is uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, That's and it indeed. stars uh, what's his name? Who who plays? Telly uh, Savalas. Telly Savalas. <laughs> he's not like a he doesn't have a big role, but he's in it. Yeah. Oh, and his introduction is wonderful. <laughs> it's so good. And character wonderful. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, little known fact: the uh, uh, Peter Cushing uh, and uh, and Christopher Lee were also in a uh, Dracula movie uh, that same year, uh, and they were the two stars of it as well. So it's like a Dracula. Movie. I can't remember the name. I'm totally blanking on the name, but it was a Dracula movie. So also Dracula there. Dead and Loving It. I'm pretty sure it's so, not that. Uh, this movie it is described as this. Uh, first off, it was, it was uh, directed by uh, Eugenio Martin, and the writers were 
Arnaudu Deuso? <laughs> I don't even think you're trying. I think you're just... That was a tough one. Yeah, you're terrible. And Julian Zimmet. So uh, it's basically in 1906, there is a train leaving China, and a British anthropologist played by uh, Count Dooku. I'm just going to call him Count Dooku. Uh, His name is uh, Christopher uh, Lee, and he was also Saruman. So, no, it's Count Dooku. Oh, you're right. You can say Sar- I'll call him Saruman. All right, so he discovers a frozen prehistoric creature and has transported uh, to Europe by train. So, uh, basically, uh, Saruman finds this uh, this uh, frozen half human, half ape. Uh, uh, it's Brendan Fraser from Encino Man. Yeah, he finds what Encino Man. Yeah, and so you're. This makes it so much easier for me to describe it like this. So, Saruman finds Encino Man. Okay, and. When he finds Encino Man, he has to bring him on a train over from China to Europe. Um, and when doing so, uh, lots of spooky stuff happens. First thing that happens is a thief tries to break into it because he thinks it's something of, of value. And the thief has the ability to uh, pick locks. And when he does so, the uh, Encino Man kind of wakes up and stares into his eyes and uh, kills him. And gives him like white eyes and bloody face and all that stuff. That's true. All right. They don't know what happened. Just some, some some thief dead on the floor by the train. You think they'd stop everything, but no, they gotta make the time, so they gotta get out of here. So they get the thing on board. The next person kind of come across it is like I guess it was a security guard. I think it was a security guard. Um, he's looking back there, and uh, the Encino man wakes up, and when he wakes up, kind of he takes one of the nails and turns it into a lock pick, and unpicks the lock. And at first, I was like, how is this? monkey man uh doing this this is impossible but there's descriptions later as to why so uh he picks the lock gets out attacks the uh officer and the officer uh dies they come across him they do an autopsy on him when they do they realize that his brain's been completely wiped clean almost to the point where it, like has no grooves in it at all it's just smooth as a baby's bottom that's what they said um, and it looks weird, almost like a baby's butt, too. It's really strange. And uh, there's a bunch of other characters on this train. You have yourself a priest who's kind of losing his mind. You have, I believe, she was French? Uh, talking maybe... about the Countess? Yeah, the Countess. Or are you talking about N- 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 Nastasha or Natasha? Uh, her name's Countess Spine. Irina Petrovska, so I think she's Russian. It's got to be that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not French. Yeah, French. Hey, whatever. I mean, you're um, the expert on on names. So yeah, you had an engineer, you had a uh, philanthropist, um, and a few other people, and basically they're they're trying. Oh, and, a, and a, like a detective, basically, and they're trying to figure out what is happening, what's going on. They find out that the uh, uh, Encino man has escaped his cage, and so he's somewhere. And uh, basically, what happens is, whenever this Encino man looks into your eyes, uh, he can kill you, but I what mean, just does. like Brendan Fraser, too. I mean, those are yeah, that's what I did in Blast from the Past, I think. So, um, well, I was just talking about the man himself, he's got oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, he they've kind of figured this out by taking blood from its eye and looking at the blood, and it basically has memories in the blood, which is very weird. I can't really remember how to describe it, it's really strange how they described it. But they also noticed in this uh-huh. book, there that's was true. dinosaurs including a pterodactyl and a picture of earth 
from space. I know, isn't that strange? That's so really strange. That's so like odd. This somewhat demon-based thing to aliens. And so yeah, the idea yeah, is yeah. this organism can transmit itself through the eyes of others, and if it looks into your eyes, it can basically kill you or transmit his body into you. And you find out that the constable uh, gets possessed by this thing, and he himself is it for a while, and the only thing he has to be the uh, the monkey man is that his left hand is all hairy and gross, which is funny. I don't know why it's like that, but it is. Um, so anyways, uh, lots of stuff happens. People die. It's kind of a slasher film. Ha- uh, 20 minutes left in the movie. Uh, uh, Terry Savala shows up as uh, some type of like, <laughs> they a- said, they called him your honor. So I guess he's a judge and he's okay. wearing Russian robes. But he's like smoking a cigarette the whole time and has a New York accent, so none of it makes sense to me as to what he's supposed to be. <laughs> he's telling us all, so he can do whatever he uh, wants. But he's just like, I'm gonna get to the bottom of this, y'all under arrest. And it's just like has this really great New York accent, but none of it makes sense because it's 1904. It's just like, hey, just we're gonna pay you, <laughs> we're gonna pay you five thousand bucks. Can you hang out on set for a couple days? Yeah, sure, I can do that. But what if the monk is innocent? Ah, we got lots of innocent monks. Uh, it's just so weird. So he kind of gets involved with as well and tries to fight against this. Uh, and he's introduced 20 minutes in the end of the movie. I don't understand. It's so very strange. Uh, and he tries to stop it. Uh, they find if you put light in his face, it can't like transfer itself. But then at the end of the movie, when they think they have it cornered and it's done, it wakes up everybody it's killed and now they're all like zombies on the train and they have to basically yep. uh Sauron and this chick basically go through the train whoa 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 sorry countess, countess Irna Petrovska I bet they uh they go through the train and person by person slaughter everybody and tell everyone and tell like get a, a a morse code message up to the train line saying you need to disconnect this train and they're like but if we disconnect it We'll all die. And like, yeah, then we gotta do it. So they, they do that and they unhook the boxcar they're in, and then all the bad guys fly off and die, and their boxcar stops literally inches from the edge. So convenient. And uh calculated, man. Yeah, and that's what it is. Um, so yeah, what I think of it. I mean it was entertaining. I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, it's a great movie. You're done. That movie's so I thought, funny. I thought some of the special effects were pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was not bad for 1972. 1972 yeah. special effects are good. Um, <laughs> Savalas is, I mean, this is just the best part of the movie because uh, he just he just doesn't care about <laughs> what he sounds like or who his character is. He's like, I'm Kojak. If you want Kojak in your film, you got Kojak. And it's just like, it was great. Like his whole character, when I was watching, I was like, that's why Jeff likes this because this whole thing right here. Um, there's other reasons but yeah that's one of them saruman was good uh so i enjoyed his character he was also very british which is great um and all of the women were like level 10 hotties the whole time which i thought was funny too it's like they're all like you are just these beautiful picturesque gorgeous women and like they obviously belong in some type of like uh like beauty magazine they're just these gorgeous women it's just so funny um how just how wow. very 70s it is wow. um but i enjoyed it uh so i you know if i want to watch a bad horror movie this is good this is a good bad horror movie so. it's a good movie i enjoy it like i i really like this movie a lot uh 
It's so funny. And there's other But there is a but... big twist of it's an alien. I know. I know. All right. So, you ready for you ready for your quiz? I'm sure I'm gonna do terrible on it. But I'm glad know. you liked it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's good. That's good to hear. Okay. So question number one. What organization does Professor Saxton report to? Uh Professor Saxton reports to an that's organization. That is Sauerman. Right. Yes. He yes. reports to the archaeological worldwide archaeological foundation. Wow. Um, no, that's that's wrong. Right, he, well, he, he, he reports to the Royal Geological Society. Oh, yes. whatever. You no, know, that's close. Real close. You had a logical. You had that. Good job. All, All right. right. So, uh, what to do? Americans, the Chinese, and the British call it when you offer money. To, to somebody to get what you want bribing okay who who calls it that which one oh, of those so they, all, they all have a different thing that they call it americans call it bribing okay british call it oh man this is a there's a couple jokes in this movie there are quite a few jokes there's a lot of funny lines in this movie there's that one where peter cushing's like oh no it's just british <laughs> I know that's such a popular line. He's like, "What if? What if you're monsters? We're not monsters. We're British, like Superman. Um, man. So good. I don't know. I didn't hear that one. Uh, it's pretty early in the movie. Uh, so the Americans, it's called know-how. Uh, the British call it bribery and corruption, and the Chinese call it squeeze. Squeeze. All it. right. I don't yep. remember that at all. Sorry, at all. That's a shame. Okay. Uh, what? Uh, okay, so what are some of the reasons, this is question number three, what are some of the reasons why the chalk didn't write on the crate? Some of the reasons. Oh, it was specifically uh, two. hypnotism uh-huh. Uh-huh. was one of them. Uh-huh. That is one of them, I know that. That is one, you're right, you're right, you're right. And sleight of hand. Oh, no, you missed the funny part. It's hypnosis and yoga. Oh, it's <laughs> like, so what the hell is yoga uh, got to do with it? No, it's great. Perfect. What does hypnotism have to do with it? I don't know, but like yoga is even further, further from it, right? So you get it's hypnosis and yoga. So you get half credit for that. All half right. a point. We're back on what? track. Got two more questions. What does the devil need to be afraid of? Um, Kojak. Oh, it's one honest Cossack. Sorry. Sorry. Cool. I don't remember that either. Yeah. They watch yeah. the same movie. Yeah, pay attention more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I've watched it like six times. So. All right. Final question. This one, again, I'm testing to see whether you've done a little outside research. Do you know what book this is adapted from? Uh, Body Snatchers, maybe? That's incorrect. It's adapted from a novella titled Who Goes There, uh, which is by John w campbell jr and it's the same novella that the thing from outer space I knew, and the thing is based off of which is another reason why i like this because it's, it's how I, I knew you like this movie because when i'm watching this i'm like this is a very yeah. thing type of movie very exactly thing. yeah and that's the, yeah also who goes there incidentally is a board game that i recently received on kickstarter that's also based on campbell's novella and it's about the thing basically that i'm hopefully going to be reviewing later this month in the podcast we played it once but i want to play it at least a second or third time before i talk about it too much but yeah there you go so you got 0.5 out of that's, five that's, that's average I, I think i think that was that was fantastic look i'm just happy that you like the movie that's decent 
All right. So enough talking about good movies. Let's talk about what Justin assigned me. Uh, so Justin gave me Baywatch, uh, the 2017 version that's directed by Seth Gordon. Uh, it stars Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, as Mitch. Uh, it's the same basic characters from the TV show. So Dwayne Johnson's Mitch. Zach Efron is Matt Brody. Uh, and Alexandra Daddario is Summer. Uh, I'm only doing that because Justin, is, he's just gross. Uh, so anyway, it's based on the TV show. Shut up, shut up. Mitch, who's Dwayne Johnson, uh, runs Baywatch, in, which, which is basically a group of lifeguards that protect Emerald Bay, Florida, from all sorts of different things, drownings, drug running, diamond smugglers, sand grifters, and all, like just a host of crimes that literally they should not be uh, paying attention to. Uh, it's pretty funny because the whole movie or at least the first half of the movie, Zach Efron's character is like constantly like questioning, wait, why are you doing this? Just call the police, call the police, call the police, call the police. And I'm like, yes, he's totally right. And they're making him look bad. But yeah, they're doing all sorts of things that they shouldn't do. They're, they're interfering with investigations. They're breaking the law. They're breaking the people's houses because they're trying to solve crimes. Um, the main villain of the movie is Victoria Leeds, who is dealing flaca, which is basically a super meth. Uh, in the bay to crash real estate prices in the bay so that she can scoop up the land and make the bay private. So that's the kind of the goal here. She uh, at one point, she's trying to uh, bribe town town officials, and she kind of has one uh, who's Oscar from the office, uh, but yeah. he is unable to deliver on what he was promised to deliver, which is like this one um, this one business owner who is not like you know joining the program basically so she kills oscar from the office she kills hannibal burress um let's see what else is there um so yeah so basically she's doing all, all sorts of different st difficult stuff so yeah they you know the lifeguards of course have to stop it for some reason i don't really understand uh let's see matt brody who's zach Refron's character he's an olympic swimmer ex-olympic swimmer who won two gold but uh, two gold medals and then like did not do well in the team competition. So he's doing community service here uh, and doesn't like him and Mitch at the very beginning, the beginning of the movie do not get along because Mitch doesn't see him as a team player. He's a hot shot. He doesn't care. And like, you know, and Zac Efron's character kind of is like that. He's kind of a jerk. He's a little, kind of an arrogant jerk for the most of the movie for this first half. So anyway, they start meddling in the investigation um, all the while, like at the very beginning of the movie, they uh, had like a new challenge to see who is going to join Baywatch that year. And so it allowed three characters and it allowed uh, Justin's uh, Alexandra Daddario. Uh, it allowed Matt Brody and allowed uh, this, uh, this kind of not particularly hard bodied uh, young man uh, uh, by the name of Ronnie Greenbaum uh, to also who's in love with CJ Parker who is like, I think the, it was Pamela Anderson's character from yeah. the original Baywatch. Uh, so eventually Mitch gets fired because he's interfering too much uh, where he shouldn't, including breaking into a person's home to beat up another dude um, who also broke into her home and whatever. Um, and Matt is given the lieutenant gig. So he takes over his job. Uh, but Matt's cool now because he's learned some lessons. So he continues the investigation. Um, they eventually stop Victoria Leeds. Uh, they find the business owner that was like the holdout that she kidnapped. Um, they blow her up with fireworks. Um, I think Ronnie and CJ have sex at the end. I'm not really sure. Um, but that's the movie. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's the movie. What do I think about it? This movie's stupid. Like, why was this made? Like, why was this movie made? I like, think it was made oh as a response to 21 Jump Street, but 21 Jump Street was good. 
So that's that's the problem. I'm I so really confused about how like my brain was like not understanding how to take the movie sometimes because I feel like there are times when the movie tries to be super serious, right? It's it, strangely, it really does like super lessons, you know, like the lessons of how to do this, lessons of how to do that. And then other times where it's just like it's something out of a freaking Seth Rogen movie, not Seth Gordon, Seth Rogen. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? And it's like it's so erratic. It's, it's weird moments of tongue in cheek, and then it's weird so tongue in cheek. Like I, but then I, they I get serious. They get serious. Yeah. It's really strange. It starts serious. I think. I think the further the, the further the movie goes on, the crazier it gets. Like there are certain scenes where they start talking and they're saying the dumbest things, and I'm just like, they know they're being stupid here. Like even characters who seemed at the beginning like summer, like intelligent people, end up not really being intelligent and they start saying and doing stupid things so it was really weird to interpret now that all being said i still laughed from time to time so like when i was watching it like we i I watched it late last night after game night so like i watched it i I think we finished around like midnight or so so i was pretty late late in the night um but i did laugh like there were some really really funny moments to it like super funny uh moments and lines for a couple different people here and there um but like the overarching story is just stupid. It's just dumb. I don't know. Like the premise is ridiculous. They barely did any lifeguarding. Like they almost did like no lifeguarding. In the very beginning, they saved some people from a burning boat and like a person who fell off a pier. But that's it. Like for the next 45 minutes, they don't do any lifeguarding whatsoever. And it's just like, where's the lifeguarding, you know? And I don't know. And then there's so much of it that was filmed on green screen. Like it's just, oh, oh my God. Yeah. I don't, was this like 3D or something? I couldn't figure out. Like, did they did they try to make this like a 3D know, movie the, or something? But the, the green screening is very bad. It's very bad and so incredibly awful. noticeable in some cases. Uh, Special effects like, uh, too. Like the fire on the boat. Holy moly, it's terrible. There was a scene where uh, where Dwayne Johnson and Zac Efron's characters were on a boat together and looking through binoculars. But apparently, they couldn't just film that. They had a green screen that. They weren't doing anything crazy. The only thing in the background was ocean. That's it. And they green screened it and it looked bad. And it's just, yeah, like the production quality of the movie was not particularly great at all. Um, sometimes it makes fun. Of, like it doesn't take itself too seriously, which is good. But I also felt like it was a little bit uneven. I feel like they either needed to go full camp, just go full on camp or not, you know. Or, or, well, that's or what they did with 21 camp. Jump Street. They're like, right. we know what this is. Let's put in Jonah Hill. Right. And let's just get dumb. And it was great. Yeah. So I just feel like it, it was almost a good movie um, if it would have gone, I think, more campy. Like, it just just go full on camp because everyone knows Baywatch is the most ridiculous thing ever. Like, they're lifeguards that are solving crimes. Like, come on, you know? Like, next thing you know, they're going to tell me that there's a person who can sniff a lot and solve crimes just from what they smell. Hey, I got like, a show for you for that. Wait, what? What? There's a show like that? That sounds amazing. Yeah, you should find it. Um, but overall, like... It was entertaining. It was totally entertaining. I'm not going to lie and say I didn't chuckle from time to time, but I also don't know if I would ever watch it if if you didn't assign me. Like, yeah. And would I recommend it to other people? Like, if you watch the original Baywatch, and I actually remember as a kid. Now I was a child when Baywatch is on. I remember watching it as a family for some reason. I don't know why. I, you know, David David Hasselhoff some and stuff like awkward that. Awkward things. I know. I know, man. It was weird. Um, but like, I still remember the shark episode where. Uh, where like the one uh, lifeguard died. It was like so tragic. I was like, oh yeah, sharks. Because I love sharks and I always root for them to win. But 
Yeah, um, it's okay. Like if they do a sequel, which they were joking about in the movie, there being a sequel, then to me, I think I hope they just go full on silly comedy and not try to have like the more serious stuff in it and just make everything completely ludicrous. And because looking at it, I would say it's like 75% camp. And then like there's like this weird 20 to 25% or so that's trying to be sort of serious and lesson driven and just like, just don't, just don't do it. I like the fact that they also like made jokes about you know, the slow motion running and like the, uh, the, the bathing suits riding up people's ass so that they can swim faster and stuff like that. Well, my favorite one was like, uh, when they're all sitting at the table and they're eating, and he's like, am I the only one that, that is eating the, salad? Got the salad? How do you guys eat like this all the time? How do you stay in shape? <laughs> I know. I know. So, but there were funny lines. Like, I'm not going to lie. There were funny lines and it was, it was kind of cool. But, uh, I mean, if you, if you have Hulu and you got looking for else to do, I don't think it's a bad watch at all. Uh, I think you, it's entertaining, but like, it's kind of silly. I, I think it could have been better. I do think it could have been better. So that's that's my review of Baywatch. You ready? Uh, yeah, sure. I Again, I watched it late. I'm probably not going to do well, but go ahead. What is the video game on Ronnie's t-shirt when you were first introduced to Ronnie? Uh, it was like Donkey Kong, Mario Bros type of thing. Like there's Donkey Kong in the upper and you're throwing the, the, the stuff down. It was the, the original old Donkey school. Kong. You're absolutely, absolutely right. Yeah, I saw that absolutely and I was like, right. I said to myself, I want that shirt. That's why. I love shirts like that. So, All right. Next question. How was Matt Brody described um, when they were talking about his little thing? Uh, I think he described himself as this. Um, how was he described in the film? Uh, he like he like said, I'm this and this. Um, so he like when like when did this happen? Like is well, this the interview? Uh, there's or? percentages. There's percentages. Oh, he's 80% um, trill and like 20% dope or 80% thrill, you're, excuse me. You're so close. 80% thrill, 20% dope. You're so close. I'll have okay. to give you half credit. It was 80% trill, 30% dope. All was right. it 30%? Oh, they didn't yes. make a joke because it was the wrong thing. Okay. It's the wrong percentage. So I remember, I remember half that Half credit. Okay, fair enough. All right, so 30% dope, 80% trill. That's right. Uh, that's right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. How many foster homes had Brody been through? Um. Oh, I do not remember the number. Holy crap! Was it five? It was, and three. one of them had a pool. What's that? It was three, but the best one had a pool. Yeah, the best one had a pool. I remember that part. It became the vomit comet. Yeah, I remember uh, the vomit comet part. <laughs> last one what does mitch scratches back with scratches back with it's mitch scratches back with huh when when did he scratch his back when was this like which mm -hmm. mitch because at one point david lost no, it was it was the rock when did this happen um I know he's got like the keychain that's got David Hasselhoff on the on the little lifeguard buoy thing, whatever the hell it is, the float floatable device. Um, what does he scratch his back with? Huh? I do not remember that. In the end of the movie, when he had uh, injected himself, well, with... it was the it was the urchin. Is that's not what yeah, you're talking about, right? That's okay. what I'm talking about. Oh, but, oh, but, he, but when he injects himself with it. He says a bunch of random garbage, one of which says, I scratch my back with the whale's dick. 
Oh, that. Okay. I thought you literally meant scratching. Like, yeah, oh. he says, I scratch my back with a whale's dick. But he doesn't. He was just doing it at the stall and he was going like full ocean. No, he was in his uh. mind because of the, the urchin. Yeah, I know. Because, like, when you take the devil's thing, like, you it's get like a, a surge of adrenaline that you can choke out a pissed off bull or something like that or something like that. And then you say some crazy ass shit and then you die. Oh, I was like, I was actually literally thinking of a scene where he scratched his back. I didn't want to say. I'm going to the judges yeah. for this because I feel like that is judges. Uh, the judges say that that uh, question say was sorry, unfair, no. and you say need to give sorry, another no. question. No, the judges go... are here. I got, I got one more, but the judges are okay, here. And they're sure. saying that you just don't get that one. I'm sorry. Um, right. Sorry, judges. I'm still at one and a half. I think right. Yeah. I'm still right, last one. Seven. Okay. Who's sexier, The Rock or Zac Efron? And I need an explanation okay. as to why. All right, this is a hard question. Because um, holy moly, they're both so good looking in this movie. Okay, so exactly I like a point five percent body fat in this movie. Okay, I have, I, I do have a reason for this, and I, I, I think what you're saying. I think it's The Rock, and the reason is because I like a big man, I like a tall man, I like a man <laughs> with big arms, you know, and that's kind of a small dude he's kind of a small guy and he's a little like he's a little too skinny for me and i felt like he he was so ripped he was so ripped that some of his veins on his arms were a little bit awkward looking and then he looked he like had, a ninja turtle doll that's what he looked and like. Then, like his Vain. pecs had that awkward extra fold in it like he had like four pecs instead of two which was really strange to me um like don't get me wrong i mean they're both you know gorgeous and they can you know hold me anytime they want but i would go with dwayne johnson because i just thought uh, i like the bigger guy sorry so i'll give it go. to you but the proper reasoning for the, the rock is because he was a wwe wrestler that's the main that, reason. That's, that's a, no the pro no if we're gonna go that the proper reason is that he went to the university of miami and he was a Miami Hur hurricane football player however uh zach efron was unbelievable in this film and on very top of that fit. my favorite part about this movie was every time the rock called him something called him something like yeah, Boy, baby gap malibu dog. ken <laughs> one time he called them uh uh one direction high, high school oh, musical uh, yeah high school musical which is like that's like that's did. great i really like, i was going to high school musical and like i thought yeah. that was good but uh so yeah uh you, i love so, that there's there's that one part where he like couldn't drive properly like the the boat properly and he's like who'd you learn to drive from stevie wonder and then <laughs> later in the movie when after he got fired and he got the sprint commercial or the sprint job like they actually had stevie wonder uh playing in the background it's so good which oh, is so weird nice. because if they just got rid of all the super serial parts you know anyways so yeah. you got let's see you got one i think i got 2.5 Two because I got the shirt, I got the last one, yeah, and I got and the, the two and a half. So that's pretty okay. good. All right, yeah, so there My uh, one of my favorite parts was uh, when CJ was describing the obstacle course as an absentee father. Uh, it was that's tough really and brutal. Yeah, and uh, it was like it's like carries you through birthdays and Christmases, and bring your dad to school day when your mom has to put on a fake mustache you can fit in stuff like that. I love that. That was, it was a really fun. Yeah, part. Good. I like that a lot. All right, so, uh, that's okay. it. New challenge. Right. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. What do you got for me? Hit me. I have so I got in the spirit from what you were doing. It's October. Finally, like okay. I was like Baywatch. Like what the hell is Baywatch? October to Halloween. And I, so I went on Amazon. Amazon has the lowest of the low of some horror movies. So I want to warn you that I 
I've seen a lot of them. This is this is my favorite. I, I wonder if you've seen this one. Okay. 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 So I'm scrolling through. And I look at my guy. Is it Colin Farrell? But it's not. Someone even better. So you're going to have to watch the 2001 classic, The Breed, starring Adrian Paul from Highlander. So you're going to have to watch this film. I'm looking at it to see if I've seen it before. It's a vampire movie, right? Adrian Paul, Bokeem Woodbine, who's mm. been in a bunch of stuff, and Bai Ling, who it's is got what's her name that was in wasn't she in like Lost for a little bit? What was her name? Like second season with the tattoos. What was her name? Uh, like she was in Jack storyline. I cannot remember her name. Bai Ling um, was really popular in uh, the early two thousands. So it's got Bai Ling in it as well. That's that's what I was thinking of. Wasn't wasn't she in Lost? Oh, wasn't she like? Was she in there? No, that's not what I'm thinking of. Who was it? On, who is it I'm thinking of? Like the one that like gave her the tattoos. Up. Yeah, she was in there. She yeah, she was in Lost. All right. Anyway, whatever. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I've seen it. it. Doesn't it doesn't ring a bell? It sounds familiar, but like I don't think I've seen it. So I'm yeah, Adrian Paul in it. It's gonna be great. He's the Highlander. He's a wonderful wonderful actor who's very um convincing in everything he does. All right, you. Uh, we are moving forward. So we've done uh in the was it the 40s? We've done. Uh, so we moved ahead seven, uh, 15 years to 1972. Now we're moving ahead 18 years to 1990. And I want you to watch the Dylan McDermott horror movie <laughs> slash sci-fi hardware, which can be found on Hulu. Hardware. Okay. It's actually, these are good movies. I'm giving you good movies, by the way, just so you know. Like, I'm Is giving Dylan you McDermott good. good? Um, yeah, he's one of my, he's one of my best friends. He's... Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta stop with our family cards. Stupid. All right, I'm excited. All right, so hardware for me, and then oh wait, no, hardware for you, and then whatever the hell it is in the breed. The breed. For me. Okay, got it. All right, so it's time for us to close this sucker down. Uh, if you want to find us up on the internet, you can find us at lollygaggerco.com or you can catch me on Twitter at lollygaggerco. Say hello, shoot us a challenge idea. Uh, if there's a, a horror movie uh, that's kind of bad but kind of good and doesn't isn't really mainstream. Uh, let me know. I kind of want to give it to Justin. I have a couple more ideas. I definitely know what I'm ending with, uh, but I have one more round that I got to figure out right. uh, that I'm not sure yet. So, but if you have, if you have ideas, uh, shoot me a message on Twitter. Uh, if you would be so kind uh, to give us a review, rated review, starred review, whatever it is you do on iTunes or Stitcher or, or anywhere else you find uh, our podcast or listen to it. Uh, Justin, uh, what is your Twitch channel for them to, them to find you? Twitch.tv slash Jehufa. That's J-E-H-O-O-F-A-H. Uh, you can check me on there. And I just got done doing the we just got our fifth guy down in heroic old deer. So hopefully we'll Oh, you're still on. doing that wow thing? I was hoping the phase with yeah, this. Yeah. But not yet, soon. So, okay. Yeah. So with that, uh you ready to thank some people? Let's thank let's thank some people. I'm ready. Okay. Oh yeah. I want to thank Rain. Like precipitation stuff coming from the sky you only visit arizona like six days a year uh but when you do it's utterly hilarious uh because i enjoy watching people try to drive through really flooded areas because they don't realize that this is bad and then they stall their cars and then uh because we have a stupid motorist law in arizona they have to pay for it uh, it's pretty funny pretty funny so thanks rain i want to thank magic the gathering arena for resetting all of their servers um now I have to grind out all that stuff again. So thank you so much for causing me to have to redo this all over again. So thank you. I want to thank uh, a man that I'm going to go ahead and just call Other Pool Guy. Uh, I don't know his actual name uh, or his company's name because my wife uh, contacted him. Uh, but 
this other pool guy made our water blue again and saved us uh, pretty much a grand for having to drain and replace the water. So uh, thanks, other pool guy. Finally, I'd like to thank Cold Fronts because one finally came through in Florida and it wasn't 130 degrees outside of practice this week. So thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>